You're listening to The Female Entrepreneur's Journey, The Good, The Bad, and The Branding with Danielle Clem, the weekly podcast created for fellow entrepreneurs, whether just starting out, established in your business, or simply testing out the waters. We're here to put the real back in entrepreneurial reality. Each episode guides you through the different paths walked and lessons learned by fellow bosses, how they got through it, and tips that got them there sprinkled in with a little business branding and a whole lot of heart. One question is, are you ready to dive in? Here's your host, designer, marketer, and frequent iced coffee drinker, Danielle Clem. Hey everyone, Danielle here. Just a quick friendly heads up before we get started that we have a community over on Facebook created for women just like you called the Female Biz Journey Insider Group. So you can find that over on Facebook and it'll be down in the show notes here to help you with any extra info, resources, or anything else that the guests or myself want to throw at you. So if that sounds good to you, then head over there and we can talk a little bit more. Now let's get started with the show. Hey guys, today we have on Crystal Honeycutt, who is a social media expert and creator of School of Grace, Grow in Grace, and Train Dirty Fitness, with over 600 certified TDF instructors across the U.S. and Canada. She also owns an organization called Sheila's Daughter that provides basic necessities and meals for women suffering for addiction. Her heart's passion is helping women grow their businesses and reach their potential while retaining their focus on God, never forgetting that they are good enough as they are, and are worth being loved. Her work helps women build their followers and client base, leading to increased sales and commissions. And I can tell you guys from personal experience, she is a truly amazing and light in this world. So welcome to the show, Crystal. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. I just, you have got such a gift and a talent and the social media world and the online world, we need you, girl. You're doing amazing things. <laughs> I am trying. Her story but, is I mean, one and of itself, but the way that she got to where she is and the way that she interacts with people on social media is so needed. Like, I'm my hands are waving over here, even though no one can see me, because <laughs> I'm like, you guys, it's one of the best things that you've ever said, at least in my mind, which you've said a lot of great things, but <laughs> you have to be social on social media. And like... Yes. Ever since I heard that, that's just, it's switched everything. It's been fantastic, but we'll get more into that later on in the show. But I love to begin this with the beginning of your journey and then kind of end with the present and future. So if you would be gracious, I would love to uh, have you tell us a little bit about how you grew up to what led you to wanting to go down this path. Absolutely. I So my story really began, um, probably I would also say when I was 13, because that was really when I found myself at this pivotal point in my life um, because by the time I was 13, I was, I'd been sexually abused, beaten, starved, and finally orphaned. Um, my mother was a, dr- a drug addict and a prostitute, and she had me in situations that I would never wish anyone to endure, even my worst enemies. No one deserves to live like that. Um, and I was literally, I just always felt so alone, and I felt like I had no one. And no one wanted me. No one wanted to take care of me. That was really how I grew up. That, those are really the memories I have of childhood, which is sad. So I felt alone all the time. And um, I I just, I, I feel like even though the way that I grew up was horrific in so many ways and horrifying to think about and relive, and uh, but it brought me to this point. I, I don't believe I'd be sitting here today with you if it wasn't for 
the way that that happened. Um, because, because I grew up feeling unloved and unwanted and not valuable. Like I just felt like my life wasn't worth anything. Like Crystal was not worthy of anything. She wasn't important. And so that led me to never want anyone else to feel that way. I want everyone to feel loved and valued and appreciated. I want everyone to feel like they've got someone in their corner. I just, I want to love people and I want them to feel loved. And truthfully, that's what brought me all this, you know, this entire journey. Every business that I own really operates from a place of love. And I, I even had at one time I had shirts made that said, you know, hashtag lead with love because that's where everything evolves from. And, um, when Train Dirty Fitness was born a few years ago, even though it's a fitness company, I really believe that that was my platform to reach women. And my, my slogan for that company is the one place where everyone fits in because I didn't want it to be a fitness company where you can only, you know, be a part of our group. If you looked a certain way and you could do certain workouts, I wanted it to be the, the size twos could sit with the size 24s and the 24 year olds could sit with the 48 year olds. You know, I wanted it to just be a place where everyone was loved because I never had it. And that was really, that's really truthful. That is the core of all of my work is to just love people. I mean, you and I had talked about this before, but I really do believe that those experiences that you go through, you know, in your childhood really develop how you're going to interact where you're at now from a very primal level, I think, because you and I both have had an issue or not issue, but we've had um, losses in our life early on with both of our moms. And I yes. think from there, it's, I mean, no matter who your mother is, who whoever it might be, those people are usually the most influential people in your life to any person, because mm -hmm. they are the root of where you get your love from the start of your life to if you can, the end of your life. And I think without having that, we had this, I don't want to say whole, but this need to help others because we can't, we couldn't do it for ourselves for the longest time. Yes. And I love that you mentioned that because if anyone who doesn't know, who didn't know your story before this, they would see you, especially on your lives or hear you and such, <laughs> you're such a ray of light and positivity. And I know that it took so much for you to get there because the one thing that I think is huge about this is that you really had two ways you could have gone. I mean, yes. you could have gone down the, the way that people might have, um, expected you to, which I'm happy you didn't, which is the dark path and, you know, just really envelops people in such a raw way. But you decided to choose better for yourself. And yes. I, I applaud you for that. Thank you. I, I wish I could tell you that I came to that um, revelation on my own, but I did not. Um, I actually was going down that path. I was not in a good place. And when I was 16 years old, my grandmother sat me down and she was like, Crystal, you cannot do this. You know, people are, are of course, saying that you're, you're, you're white trash. You're the daughter of a drug addict, the daughter of a prostitute. You, your birth father signed you away. You've had 20 different dads. You know, I mean, so I was going down that path. And my grandmother, she said to me, Crystal, you, you have to make a decision right now. You're 16 years old. God gave you a brain. So are you going to continue on this of what people are saying and accept what they're, they're laying on you for your future? Or are you going to choose to do differently? And then this is what she said that really got me, Daniel. Like it really just hit home to me. She said, but you can't keep blaming your mother for how, what she did in the past, for how you're living tomorrow. You can't keep blaming her for the things that she's done or that you've endured for the choices you're making today. And 
like, I mean, even at 16, I was like, well, I don't want to be responsible for my own demise. I want to keep blaming someone. Like I don't, when there's no one left to blame and I'm forced to accept that blame, I didn't want it. And so if it had not been for her to set me down and just make, like basically put a mirror in front of my face and say, you're making these decisions and this is the life you're choosing to lead. So there, <laughs> you know, it was, it was, it was a hard, like a hard thing to like accept because then I, I was like, well, I no, I don't want to be responsible for my, my own bad choices. If I can't continue to blame her, I'm not going to do it because I, I, I didn't want to be the, the person to blame. Well, yeah. And I, I think that brings up a really great point is I don't think it's always a choice that we make for ourselves. I think sometimes we have to get that push, whether it's a person or an yes. event, uh, helps us push in the right direction or at least push us to what we can see for ourselves. And I think what's really great about that, too, is that people really underestimate the power of putting themselves in what I what, well, what is called victim mentality, because, mm-hmm. you know, we we as humans are literally uh we are attributed to that. I mean, we grow up in that way. I mean, uh, from victim mentality, when you're in school or in business, you blame others or you, you know, have comparison syndrome where you look at others and you think, why can't I have that? Why do you not have better grades? And that goes into, you know, having bad thoughts and goes down this really terrible path. But I think the thing that's great about that too, is that once you're aware of it, then you can choose because if you kind of keep going, if you're, just going through life asleep, then obviously it's going to be hard for you to get out of that. But once you take that mirror or kind of unleash the veil that you were seen before, like I think I was as well. I was like, wow, I, there was at one point when I was trying to help with positive thoughts where I noticed I was telling myself, no one else, just myself. I'm like, uh, I think it was about working out. I'm like, oh yeah, but I could, I'm like, why am I trying to make excuses to myself? (laughs) I am myself. It makes no sense, but it's true. A lot of us, you know, we go down that path and it's a very rough path to get out of. Like it's, mm-hmm. I think it's one of the hardest to get out of is trying to um, stop blaming others or yourself and take control of your life and control of yourself is I think one of the, the biggest things you could do for any part of your business, your life, whatever it is. I agree. It's, it's, I would have been definitely living in victim mentality to this day if it had not been for her to, to force me to come out of that. Yeah, it's true. And I think I remember actually seeing an Instagram photo of you and her. Was it a couple of weeks ago? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. I posted it just a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. And I, I could hear from, I mean, I could see in the caption and just the picture that you had. I mean, you guys were very close. And I think that those people in your life, whether they're there for a certain amount of time or they're there forever, it's, they, they shake things up for a good reason. <laughs> yes. It's, it's so true. I, yeah, I, she was, she's definitely who I attribute my, my, the living part of my life, you know, just not that I've been alive for 37 years, but, um, the living part did not start until I was 16 when she forced me to open my eyes. Yes, exactly. And I think that, I mean, applaud her and you for just being able to thank you. go down that. <laughs> yes. Thank you. And I, I love what you mentioned, too, with uh, when you started TDF, you went down, you know, you wanted this business to be about, well, even your Facebook says, like, your job is to love people. And I think you do that yes. great with. Um, thank all, you. Oh, yeah, girl. I I have a mini, like, crush on all you do. So just let me know. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you're so, you're so sweet. Um, but I think that's, it's a huge part of why I think that you're successful and where you're at. But I want to know, too, 
is, I mean, the journey you went through is, is very difficult, but when you went down this, where you switched to become like, to open up Train Dirty Fitness, did you have any kind of uh, resistance for yourself, whether it was like mindset problems or externally from family or friends? Yeah, I did. It's because at the time I, um, I had, I lost hundred pounds of my own. It took me five years, three months and three days. And I will never forget that sequence ever. Um, but I was working, (laughs) thank you. I was, I was working nine to five. Um, and I had started teaching classes kind of on the side. I had created this little like routine that I had and I like, it was going really well. And, um, I was like, you know, I think I could make a business out of this. I think I could do this. And, it was, it's, it's really sad when I look back on it, that the people that I was, my coworkers, you know, they, they were my friends, um, or I thought they were, I guess, um, most of them. And, um, you know, they, they were like, Crystal, you can't do that. You're 30 years old. What are you, what are you trying to do? Who are you trying to be? You're never going to be the next Jillian Michaels. And I was like, well, I'm not trying to be her. I'm mm-hmm. trying to be me. And, you know, aside from my husband and, um, his mother and father, I don't, I mean, you know, the girls in my classes were, of course, supportive, but they didn't really understand. They just wanted me to teach more. But so aside from like those, you know, my, my immediate circle of family, I don't recall having anyone saying, yeah, girl, go, you can do this. And I I don't even know at that time if there was anyone in my area that was doing like their own kind of thing, you know, aside yeah. from like, you know, brick and mortar businesses, I don't recall anyone said, Hey, I'm going to go into the online world. I'm going to create this fitness company. It's going to be a big deal, you know? (laughs) Right. And so it's, I don't, I don't know that I came upon any one thing in resistance because I feel like truthfully, the whole thing was resistant. Like the whole thing, like it was just a fight from the beginning. Uh, You know, I mean, even if you think about the name turned into fitness, like uh, originally it wasn't even supposed to be that I call it TDF because that stands for taking down fear, but that's not, yeah, but you know, that's not really very catchy. So I had to go with something kind of catchy, you know, but then I realized that when you name something train dirty fitness, you automatically are thought to be a stripper or a pole dancer. I mean, it's like, it goes to like a whole different realm of like workouts that I'm not doing. <laughs> so it's, it's literally, I, it's been one thing after another coming against me in TDF. And I'm okay with that because I believe that every time a fiery dart from the devil's coming my way, that means I'm on the brink of some big, amazing things. So I might keep firing because that's okay. I'm wearing the, the, you know, the armor of God so far away. I I don't care. Yes. And I actually wanted to mention too, I think it's really great that you noted that when you first started or even to now, the resistance, especially from others, I don't think people can see it until you get there. You know, like people don't, aren't on board until they're like, oh, wow, you're actually making, you know, like six figures. You have, you know, a couple thousand followers. Now I'm, now I see what you're doing. You know, it, it takes, it takes a good person and someone who's really understanding what you're doing or just really believes in you to help like see it through from the beginning. But I know even myself, I had a couple people who, um, when I would tell them that I wanted to own my own business or I wanted to go down this route, a lot of them just kind of have their eyes glaze over and say, well, good luck. You know, it's never, you know, it's never an immediate support. Right. It's not. And it's, I, if you want to know who your true friends are, Say you're going to be an entrepreneur and you've got something to sell. See who's who's hanging around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then you're going to see who really loves you because I guarantee you, um, you'll find out you have two people who love you. I mean, you know, it's, no, it's, it's just, true. It's it's not 
the aunt, I've said it so many times, the entrepreneurial world is a lonely place to be until you find a tribe of people who are in the same boat as you and are all like, yes, let's keep, you know, paddling our little oars up this stream and we'll just do it collectively. Yes. And I think that's something that needs to be noted as well, because everyone talks about the, I think I was listening to Gary Vaynerchuk. He's like entrepreneur, the word and the lifestyle has become cool now, you know, before it wasn't cool. And now people are like, oh yeah, I want to open up a business, but they don't have no idea what it entails. Or especially the, like you said, the lonely part of it, because even myself, what we're on seven days, probably six days out of the week, I'm in my house doing like just online work like I do not see a soul unless I go out to work out or I go to the store or unless I make an effort to and right. I think people forget that is that especially for those who do online business too uh, it's if you don't have things set in place to help you find those people or to help kind of make you not go insane <laughs> that that's going to be a huge attributor to whether you do well in this long term or not it's 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 absolutely 100% hands down the truth I there were days that I, I remember telling my husband, I'm like, I don't need to get dressed or take a shower or wash my hair. Why? Mm-hmm. Because no one's going to see me. And that's really, like, that's not healthy. And, and I look back on those days and I think that's like the brink of possible depression yep. because I didn't, I, I mean, I didn't see the point of even putting on clean pajamas, let alone the clothes. Um, and it's, it's so important that we as entrepreneurs, I, I truly believe that we stick together because now a few years ago when I started TDF, it wasn't, but now, like you say, it's like this big, it's like the shiny new object. Everyone wants to be an entrepreneur and they're all going to be business coaches. They're all yes. going to be business and health coaches, you know, and that's cool. Do it. Go on girl, rock that out. But at the same time, you need to be real and honest with yourself that it's there, this laptop lifestyle. And it's one of the things that grates on my nerves. Yep. I see all these photos of, you know, sandy beaches and cute painted toes and tanned legs. And they're like the laptop lifestyle. I'm like, you're not portraying exactly what the laptop lifestyle is. Why don't you show a picture in your four-day-old sweatshirt, your hair that's not been brushed in two days, and you're eating yesterday's crusty sandwich? That's the laptop lifestyle. Yes, <laughs> I mean, that's really what it is. <laughs> oh, it's true. I mean, for, even for myself, usually when I go on Instagram stories, I try my best. If I don't have makeup on, I don't put on makeup. Like, I'm, I'll, I'll show up. And show people like, hey, n- probably five out of seven days, I do not have on makeup. And if I do, it's just like one wipe of mascara and I'm alive yeah. somehow. Um, but I think <laughs> that that's true is that, you know, I really hate that word, lifestyle or entrepreneur lifestyle, like anything lifestyle based. I'm like, everyone's first, everyone's life is different. Second mm-hmm. of all, you know, people like for myself, I'm an introvert. And the hard part about that is that you like to be by yourself and kind of have alone time. But you can tip mm-hmm. over that as an entrepreneur, you can tip over to be like, Oh, I haven't seen people for probably three days, I should probably work on that. Um, yes. And I love that you mentioned that because like you said, there was a part actually recently where I was getting too too much into a rut where I was at home too much. And I was I would see people a couple hours, maybe once or twice a week, and there was one day where I was just, I was in this funk, and I could not figure out why until I realized that I was running myself into the ground because I wasn't talking about, I wasn't sharing what I was doing, I was keeping everything kind of close to um, the, like, pocket, and it wasn't helpful, it's not helpful if you don't have anyone to talk to about that, and I think that it's really great that you mentioned that because without having those people or without having some type of exposure to the real world. I I want to let anyone who's listening to this know that 
you have to remind yourself sometimes to actually go out and be a person. Like I had to physically take myself to a movie on Wednesday because I was just, I was at home too much. And I realized I'm doing this because I love helping people. But if I work every single hour of the day, what life am I living? Yes, it's it's true. I I really, um, you know, I spent the, the early part of my years in the entrepreneur world um, being trained by um, leaders in the industry that were all about this you need to work really hard now and you can rest in 20 years yep. or hustle, hustle now, hustle, hustle. Or, and I really hate this one. And it says an entrepreneur will work 80 to hundred hours a week to avoid working 40 hours for someone else. And I'm like, guys, we've got that wrong. That's so backwards. Yep. Like we, did, did we really start this life to work 24 seven? Because I did not. And I, I didn't realize that until I got a little older and a little more versed into this because I was doing that. I literally, I don't, I mean, I was at home with my son when he was, you know, in junior high and early high school, but I, I don't remember a lot of it because I was literally working from the moment my eyes opened at 5 a.m. until 1 or 2 in the morning every day. And I'm like, and two or three times my husband's like, Crystal, <laughs> um, why don't you just go get a regular job? Then you'll at least be home at 5 and you're done. And I'm like, no, I am enjoying this laptop lifestyle. And then I'm like, okay, if this is it, then I have totally missed the mark on happy. Yeah. <laughs> it was just, so yeah, I'm, I'm totally against anyone that teaches that. And, and I hate to say that because I used to be in that realm. I used to be in that, that mindset of, you know, hustle, hustle, babe. And I'm like, Shh, no, I'm like, work smarter. <laughs> That's the thing too. And I, I think I uh, read this about a week or two ago. Studies show that pro- productivity-based, we cannot work more than 7.5 hours, like, to have the productive part of us, and after that, we kind of just get into that autopilot, where it's not actually having any effect, like, we're not creating that great of work, we're just usually checking emails, or doing small things here and there, and when I realized that, I was like, how am I working, you know, 12, 10 hours a day, but I only have 7.5 of those that are actual productive, if that, because my brain can go everywhere. And I think that that's really great to note, too, is that I really hate the word grind, like rise and grind Mm -hmm. or grind, because the thing is, you choose whatever you do. And I grew up with my father, who I love him dearly, but he's worked... uh, 14 hours a day, six days a week for probably 25 years. And I'm not mm. joking. I'm, I've been here for every day of it. And the day that he has off, he does yard work. And I truly, you know, I appreciate what he does. He doesn't have to work that hard, but he does. He, he wants to. And I think when you're around people like that as well, and you have, you know, mentors and role models and people around you who are in that same mindset of the, you have to work this hard, especially starting out because you're so impressionable to everything, you take mm-hmm. that on. And that's when it's really hard to get out of it. Yes, I agree. I agree. And it's as a, for the new entrepreneurs, you know, they're told that they have to work really, really hard right now. And I do believe that you have to work hard. I don't believe that any of us that are really succeeding at this are not working hard, but I think there is a smart way to work hard. Mm -hmm. And then there's the other way, which is the way that so many other people had taught me in the beginning, which was basically, I'm just going to ignore my family for two to four years. And then for years five to 30, I'll be able to enjoy them. If you know, I live that long. I mean, it was ridiculous. Yeah. I was starting to cut sleep a lot. I was starting to, um, 
like you said, you just start to isolate yourself. And it's not that you want to, but you're seeing all these people around you who are like, yeah, clocked in, um, you know, whatever, 14, 16 hour a day, going to try and sleep for a couple hours and then go back at it. And, you know, it's for those people who actually enjoy it, I'm, I applaud you. But it's for those who are starting out or those who want a life on top of it, then, you know, you have to kind of make changes. And like you said, work smarter, work more efficiently, because if you don't, I mean, t- time already flies by already. So when you tack yes. on that, it's just, it goes by in a blink of an eye. But then you have to ask yourself, truthfully, are you, if you, if you say, yes, I love to work that much, are you really loving to work that much? Or is it just what you feel like you need to do? Because I don't know of anyone that's going to say, no, I don't want to sit down and watch TV ever. I mean, right. it's okay to binge watch a little bit of Netflix. You know, that doesn't make you a lazy person or a sloth. It makes you human. Welcome to the club, the human club. I mean, it's, it's uh, because I, I feel like I used to be that girl because I've always loved my work. So I'll be like, I love to do my work. So it's okay that I'm working 20 hours a day because I love it. But I also love ice cream and I also love amusement parks. And I love spending time with my family and walking my dogs and reading. I like all those things too. But I felt like I couldn't like those at the same time that I liked all of my work because I should love my work more than anything. And, um, and now that's just, that's just not how it was. That is not how my life is meant to be. I was not meant to work 20 hours a day. <laughs> oh yeah. No. I, and no one really is. I love that you mentioned that too about the TV part because for example, I was an only child until probably 13 or so until my dad remarried. And because of that, my mom and dad always worked and I would, I think I was with a lot of babysitters and what's the one thing that babysitters do? They put on the TV, like every time. Yes. <laughs> and when I was, uh, you know, when I was growing up, that was all I had. And mm-hmm. for me, which I found out re- or uh, probably in the last year or two, is that I use TV as a comfort and an escape. Mm-hmm. So it depends on when you tip that over for me. Mm-hmm. The same thing with others, I think, is that you can binge watch because I totally love – I'm actually on Hulu because Netflix took off one of my favorite shows. So I have been, <gasps> I've been so irritated with Netflix. <laughs> But I try and for myself when I wind down at night, I usually yes. watch an episode or two of my favorite show and that actually helps me fall, like get ready for sleep. And, you know, if I took that out, I've had this routine, this night routine for years. And just because someone tells me that I can't watch TV ever again, I mean, it's just not realistic. Right. And why? Why can you not? I mean, why? Why am I, why am I not allowed to watch, you know, a season on Netflix? I mean, it's. I mean, I'm the same way because my husband, he's always like, Crystal, how in the world do you spend an hour on the elliptical? And I'm like, it's easy. I turn on Netflix and I'm like going <laughs> at it. And, you know, and I tell him, I say, it's not that I really just have nothing. I mean, I could answer a lot of emails on the, mm-hmm. you know, the elliptical. I could do a lot of other things. But for me, that is like, that's my time. And, you know, my, my eating coach, she's like, Crystal, you don't need to spend an hour on the elliptical. I'm like, but yes, I do. Because that's my downtime. Yeah. Like I'm not answering a single text during that hour period. Like I'm, I'm not because that's, that's my time and that's okay. And I feel like that we're just told as, you know, small business owners that we cannot have that time. You cannot have that time until you have succeeded. Well then what, when am I going to get there? Because I'm ready to have me time now. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's true. If you don't put those in place and even for myself, like you, one of the best things that I would do in the morning, which I still do, is I do a morning walk around the neighborhood, even if I mm-hmm. work out or not. And I use that time. I do not have any cell service. I put on an audiobook or like whatever music I want and just 
be present. And same thing yes. with you. That's what you're allowing yourself to do for that hour is just be present. And it's, I mean, it's one of the best things you can do for yourself, hands down. Yes, I, I agree. Absolutely. Well, even though we got off a little bit off track on what I was going to, I love it. Um, but I wanted to see, too, for those who have done career transitions or for those who are doing, you know, multi-passionate entrepreneurs who have two different businesses, uh, for those who don't know, is that you actually have School of Grace, which, which you're helping teach people how to, you know, build their followers and client base. And I've seen you do it with, um, like, you know, your boss, Amber Lillystrom, and then other yes. people as well in your own business and I want to know too. I don't think I've actually heard what what made you go into this. Like, what what was the point where you're like, yes, I want to go down the social media route? You know, I didn't. I actually never planned to. To be quite honest with you, um, I've been in network marketing since I was 19 years old, and then somewhere I transitioned from being an avid network marketer to training network marketers. So I like mm. switched gears somewhere around two, 2012, 2013. And um, so originally I had what was called the Train Dirty Fitness Bombshell Business Training. That was where I taught people to just duplicate everything I had done from my journey to beginning as a small business owner to where I was at that time with Train Dirty Fitness, um, opening up gyms and studios and being network marketing successes. So that's it's kind of started there. Um, And then after a couple of years, I thought, you know, I my passion doesn't end. I can't train people just to be in fitness because I've got so much more to offer. So I I shifted that and went to a, an Academy program called revive Academy, which is very similar to what you see now in school of grace. And, um, I started training people in social media, but it was the problem with that was I didn't allow enough transition from train dirty fitness bombshell business training to revive Academy to where I even my, I couldn't, I couldn't ask my students to differentiate the two because I couldn't even differentiate the two. Like there were just, I didn't have a good transition. Like I didn't have a good head on my shoulders at the time to be like, I could not like right now, I could not tell you what the difference between those two programs was. I just knew I wanted there to be a difference and I just didn't know what, I didn't know how to do it. So I actually closed both programs down because I was like, this is not working. And, um, I really started honing in on my skills in the social media marketing world and really just taking those skills that I knew I could do and develop developing them on their own independent of train dirty fitness. So I started working with people that did not know me through TDF at all. TDF was never mentioned. Like I had to eventually when they would, they would get my tax documents, they would ask me who, what train dirty fitness LLC was. And this is then I would explain it to them. So I was actively searching for people who did not know me through yeah. TDF. And that was really what I needed to do. So I could see how I, was different in the two worlds. They're still both pieces of me, both have the same core values, but they're such different, vastly different programs. And that was really how I ended up with revamping, redoing, relaunching now a school of grace. And very few people even that are in school of grace even know what the original program was of train dirty fitness uh, bombshell business, because I've done such a good job at separating the two. But for me, I had to step back away from TDF on its own and it's its own entity just, you know, for a hot second to be like, Crystal, you've got to try and build this separate. Like I do not, for me, I could not have the two intertwine. It did not work well for me. It didn't work well for my students because I, I had people who wanted to be fitness stars and then I had people who wanted to be social media stars. Well, I couldn't train them both at the same time, not, and not give them the full value that they needed. Because if you're want, if your goal is to open a gym and a women's fitness studio, like I had done, 
then you don't need to know how what your Instagram bio should be. <laughs> you yes. know, it's not going to be the exact same training. I mean, there'll be some overlapping, but I mean, we you know, the people want to open brick and mortar fitness studios. I, we were talking taxes and LLCs mm-hmm. and business license. It's, it's, it's a different world. And so I, I literally just had to step and step back. And now they, they, they coexist as, um, I, I like to say they're like, they're like your eyebrows. <laughs> they're, they're sisters, but they're not identical. Yes. <laughs> you know, so there's, they just coexist, um, without, they don't, overshine, overshadow, or take away from each other. Because you you do Instagram for a lot of your clients because it's one of the best platforms, I think, out there right now. Yes. And I wonder, what is uh, one or two of the most common uh, challenges you see your clients having just starting out when you go in there? Is there something that, any kind of tips you can give for the listeners about how to kind of help out their Instagram, whether it's one or two tips? Absolutely. So the number one thing that I have to talk to my clients about is, what the platform really is. So, so many people go on there and they want to show pictures of their, their essential oils or their, um, their shaker cups or mm-hmm. their, their abs, or, you know, just the, what they're selling, you know, their mascara, whatever it is they're selling, or they get really over the top with these professional photos like that becomes in their portfolio and it's, you know, completely airbrushed, photoshopped, perfect photos. And so the number one thing that I think is important for people to realize that if you were going to invite me to your home to sit on your couch and I say, Hey, I want to, you know, I want to see about your life. What do you have going on? Would you pull out your professional, you know, portfolio of pictures that you had your headshots? Mm-hmm. Or would you say, Oh yeah, let me show you my vacation. And right here it is in my, in my phone. You would show or your pictures of your kids. You're, you're not going to show me, you know, the pictures that have been professionally done. Typically you're going to show me the snapshots, you know, of them running around with their face dirty or, you know, they're pulling the dog by the tail. You're going to show me the fun stuff. And that's mm-hmm. where people get confused. Instagram is not your professional portfolio. It is your personal photo album. And people want to see you in real life without the filters, without the crazy, you know, professionally done, over the top, primed and perfect stuff. I mean, look at when Will Smith posts something that is, you know, him in real life, people flock to it. Same yes. thing with Reese Witherspoon. And I'm even going to go there. The same thing with Kylie Jenner. <laughs> people want to see the behind the scenes, the real life. They don't care about your professionally done photos. And that's not to say you can't ever post them. I mean, of course I do too, but there needs to be a good mix because this is where you're going to be social on social media. Let them into your real life. Like, I don't want to see nothing but your headshots. I don't care. Like, show me one or two. I'm good with that. But then I want to see the real photos. I want to see you walking your dogs. I want to see you out to dinner with your spouse. I want to see, you know, your kids. I want to see, you know, when you drop your protein shake on the floor and it's splattered in 50 million pieces and it's made it into a shape of a walrus. I want to see that. (laughs) You know, that's what people want to see. They want to see you in real life. And I think one thing that would be great for people to know, too, is even if you're not, if you don't feel comfortable starting out without for your post, do it in stories. Stories are huge right now. Yes. And it's what I tell people as well is, like, stories are great because they're small glimpses into your life. I mean, yes. like, I think it was two days ago, I had my car run out of gas at the, at the parking lot of Chevron, which was closed for that day. I mean, my luck, obviously. And I told people about it on Instagram stories. And I had people who are just, you know, they they messaged me saying, oh, that's so like your luck, that kind of stuff. Like, you know, people enjoy hearing those parts of your life. Yes, they do. I mean, I, I hate to say it, but people want to see the bad stuff mm-hmm. and the funny stuff and the crazy stuff. They want to see like they want to see you running out of gas, not because they want that to happen <laughs> for you, but because 
oh my gosh, Danielle's just like me. Yeah. She lives a real life. Like she didn't pay attention to her gas hand. Like I do that too. <laughs> I mean, that's what they, they want to see that, that regular real time human relatable stuff. That's what they want to see. And the great thing about that too, and I think there's a reason why vlogs and stuff like that on YouTube are huge because people love actually watching your day-to-day life. It's really odd. People, especially um, some of my clients who are in their 50s or 60s are like, I don't know why people watch these and just people love seeing parts of your life. And I just, I think that's so true. And I love that you mentioned that too, because if you can start allowing yourself to be more in your social media rather than just on it, that's that's it's a game changer it really is it's so true it's um i when i started really heavy on social media was in 2010 at that time my son was 10 years old and you would not believe the people that have because he he graduates high school this year that have, have said to me gosh crystal he's grown up on social media i've watched him grow up i remember when he got his driver's license i remember when you cried when he got his driver's license i remember his first girlfriend i mean like people want that. I mean, and while a lot of people may, may be saying, Crystal, I don't want people to know that much about my children. And that's cool. You don't have to. But the point is that people on social media, they've grown, my son has grown up with them. So they know, they feel like they know him and they, they've watched these milestones. And that's, that's important that they feel like that they're a part of your family. I love that because that actually happened to me. <laughs> my dad, <laughs> um, he is not a social media person, but he does newsletters because he's a real estate agent. So he sends them out whenever there's like a new uh, house being sold. And when I was growing up, he would make me go to JCPenney portraits <laughs> and get portraits done. And he'd put pictures of me and explain, you know, whether, whether basically having me grow up through the newsletters, people who would learn them or who would read them, which was actually a lot of them, unfortunately for me, um, you know, <laughs> they grew up with me and I don't know who they are, but all people countless times, I can't tell you how many times I'm going out in my hometown and they're like, oh, you're Jack Clem's daughter. I saw you grow up. Or the best part was my current boyfriend. The first time I met his mom was like, oh, I watched you grow up in the newsletters. And I was like, great to meet you. <laughs> You know, you just, and that's the thing is once you develop that bond, you know, people love seeing those transformations. That's why before and afters for fitness works great because people love seeing that journey. And I love that you mentioned the good and the bad part of social media, because that's why I created this podcast is called the female entrepreneur's journey, the good, the bad, and the branding, because there's good parts. There's bad parts. Like, you know, there's never going to be yes. just all good. <laughs> that's not how life never. works. No, not in my world anyway. <laughs> I don't think in anyone's except for, I mean, shoot, tell me, tell me two people and I'll, they most likely aren't having an all good life. Just it's so true. It, it is. And I get, let's wrap this up actually with one question that I love to ask people. And especially okay. for you is because you transitioned from, you know, your handle, especially on Instagram was TDF to now, uh, work mm -hmm. with Crystal Hanika or just Crystal Hanika because you have two, I'm pretty sure. Um, yes. what was your mindset for kind of transitioning your brand, like in that sense of making yourself more visible? You know, it's, I, I had been told for years in TDF, I had someone working for me at the time that, um, just made me feel like I did not belong truthfully in my own company. Um, it was a constant of, you know, your face doesn't need to be on there. People don't want to see your face. TDF is a, is a, uh, a brand. It's not a personal brand. So you need to be hidden. And I spent so long doing that, even though people were, were saying to me, Crystal, that's not right. That's not right. But I believed that, you know, we're, we're so bad as women to believe this, this, the ugly stories that people tell us, you know, we'll never believe the good. And so I had gotten in my head that I didn't need to be seen. And then somehow 
something just triggered in my mind. And I was like, people don't even know that this little gal from Tennessee owns this big company. And that's not fair to all the little girls who are watching uh, social media and, you know, looking for inspiration. That's not fair for me to hide that because how many girls who had lived in situations similar to mine or worse, um, who thought I need someone to believe in, but I wasn't even going to, I was because I was so afraid and I had been told, told for so long, I didn't need to be the face that I, I hid. I basically hid behind my own, my own company, my own brand. And that's not fair. So that's one thing I think everyone needs to really take away that hiding your light and your gifts you are doing a disservice to the people right now who are praying for help and for inspiration and for someone that they can relate to. Yes. And just to give a note to that too, because you already know my story with my mom and stepmom passing away. And I actually stepped up and in my first episode, I talked about my journey with it. And I couldn't tell you how many people told me whether they lost a parent, whether they related to some part of it, you know, your story or, you know, yourself, like you said, there's some person out there or most likely a lot of people who are willing to hear what you're saying, whether you think it or not, it's true. And it's just, it's great to see where you're at now, especially as part of School of Grace, which is a really fantastic program. And even for those who might not want to start out with that, if you go to her Grow in Grace Facebook group, the the people that are in there are fantastic, but also, which I think is fantastic, is your engagement is phenomenal. <laughs> it's Thank you. Thank phenomenal. you. Phenomenal. <laughs> and for those who don't know, I mean, shoot, I mean, you get, you get a couple hundred comments for most things, and I think that people understand this because you're being social you're asking them questions not just like what is your favorite type of selling thing you're asking them what was your camera roll uh picture? what <laughs> yes. was your uh what was the crazy experience you had like you you want to get to know them and yes. I think this would be actually a really great part too is now that we're finally talking about where you're at now is there any kind of current workings to give the audience a little taste of what they can look out for in the next couple months with you <laughs> well, um, that's so funny that you say that. Well, yes and no. I uh, School of Grace is going to continue to grow. It, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just going to continue. I mean, we're at like 100 training videos right now, which is just way more than I ever anticipated. <laughs> I was, I thought maybe 40 would be good. So I, that was pretty awesome. Um, you know, I, so many people have been pushing me to do vlogs and I've just, I've just not gotten there yet, but I'm, we're working on it. So you may see some vlogs come out. <laughs> Maybe we'll see. Um, and a podcast, but I just, you know, I don't know. I, I'm really a firm believer that I just have to wait until I feel like I've got that peace in my heart. Otherwise it'll be, be like a burden for me and I won't want to do it. And then I won't show up in my best. So yeah. we'll, we'll see. Maybe okay. you guys just went a little bit overboard because I wanted to get as much amazingness <laughs> from Crystal as we could, but there you guys have, like, I can't believe how, how great this episode is. I want people to listen to this like two or three times because there's such good <laughs> insight in here for people. And thank you so much, Crystal, for coming on, honestly. Oh, oh, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you so much. You are just, yeah, you're such a gift. Keep rocking, girl. <laughs> you're so sweet. And guys, I will talk to you all in the next episode and I will talk to you then. Bye. Thanks for listening to The Female Entrepreneur's Journey with Danielle Clem. If you like our show and want to know more, check out the show notes to join in the Insiders Facebook group, or please leave us a review on iTunes. Join us next week for another dose of business, branding, and everything in between. See you then.